0: Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. In fact, this is the number one daily NFL podcast out there for you iTunes listeners. So thanks, everybody who's out there listening. Thanks to all the new listeners. We're going to keep it going. And that's what differentiates us here on the Locked On Podcast Network versus some other podcasts you might be listening to. We don't peter out in the offseason. We're going to keep it strong five days a week for you. Locked on NFL, free agency, draft. We've got all the rumors covered here. Today, we were going to do a Twitter Thursday. We scooted it back to Friday. So a very special and happy Valentine's Day to you all out there, by the way. A very special Valentine's Day edition a Fan Friday. Matt, a couple of notes before we get into these tweets and just seeing it come down. Uh, Washington Redskins releasing a couple of people today. Veteran cornerback Josh Norman. Looks like $3 million of dead money there. They're going to save $12.5 million, though, by cutting Josh Norman. So that seems like a no-brainer. He's not playing at the level that his contract says that he should be. And Paul Richardson just also released by Washington, saving another couple of million dollars against the cap for the Redskins. So are they getting ready for a big purchase, or are these just two veterans that aren't uh, aren't really what their their contracts were worth?
1: Norman screams that. I mean, he is a brand-name guy. Remember when he was strangely cut from Carolina, it seems like a long time ago? Yeah. Um. And Washington quickly grabbed him, made him the highest-paid corner in the league. And it was kind of like, wow, I mean, he's a zone guy. It's kind of the Sherman conversation back then. He really only plays one side. Is he worth that kind of money? But he's no Richard Sherman either. You know, I mean, so he's never really lived up to that money. And frankly, I thought his name value was higher than his football values pretty much since day one. So this was an easy cut and he's become somewhat of a liability. I mean, so, yeah, I'm sure he'll end up on another team. But, you know, this was an obvious choice. Um, they've been, They're going to be in the cornerback market without question. I I didn't know Richardson was as much of a slam dunk, um, but they haven't gotten much out of him. They need to find new, more help at the receiver position. McLaurin, obviously, is a keeper and a home run. But other than that, it's kind of like the cornerback situation. Dunbar's a really good player. McLaurin's a really good player. And then they're searching for the other little guys.
0: Norman reminds me a little bit of Namdi Asamoah. I remember sort of a boundary corner, played one side, had a great career, then got a big money contract. And then it's tough because NFL players, you get underpaid when you're playing great, and then you get this big money contract. And we talked a lot about running backs this week. And then you get paid and then all of a sudden it's like, well, man, he's not that much better than everybody else in the league. And, and maybe we're overpaying this guy now. And then so you get cut and you don't ever see the last two years of your contract. It's almost rare these days for the highest paid free agents to see the end of their contracts. So some of this money is is sort of monopoly money that's going to get thrown out there in the next couple of weeks in March when we see this free agency period startup.
1: Yeah. And I, I apologize because I know so little about the other sports But with guaranteed money and like the NBA and MLB, it it seems like that's the better approach. I mean, I can see why NFL owners don't want to do that. But if you just, if contracts were really just what they are, if it's a five-year deal for 25 million and it's 5 million a year and they're guaranteed, don't you think there'd be less of this stuff? You know, like I I just don't, again, this is way above my pay grade. I just think the way that contracts are structured in the NFL and running back's the most glaring example, and now quarterbacks making what they do really needs to be examined with the CBA.
0: And I think that's one of the big things that players are going to be pushing for is more guaranteed contracts. And, yeah. you know, they, they had to go on strike in Major League Baseball and were able to get a lot more of those guaranteed deals in. And you see in the NBA, so much money thrown around, and there's tons of guys making tons of money that never even see the court, and they're getting traded for draft picks to just take the money off of, off of your hands because teams... Don't want to pay this bad contract and they want to get underneath the the luxury cap and uh, the luxury tax. And it's crazy with with guaranteed deals, too. And you can see why the owners would definitely like not having those guaranteed deals. But uh, the players union a little bit weaker in the NFL compared to those other two sports. And I'd like some of the the shorter term guaranteed deals that players have signed at Kirk Cousins. I can't believe he's already coming into the last year of his deal, <laughs> right. a three year oh, yeah. contract. Yeah. It was a mega contract, but three years guaranteed. I like that for players. And and I think maybe agents go out there and they look for this this deal that they can, you know, you can get the numbers tweeted out. And it's like, oh, here's a $65 million five year contract. And you look at it and you're like, no, that's a three year contract, actually. And he's not gonna see half of that money because it's all backloaded and there's no way he's gonna see that money.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, they're again, I, I contracts aren't my specialty. I don't know the answer. But they're kind of, you know, a mirage in the desert to some degree. I mean, it's all about what can you get in that first year or two. How long are you really useful? You know, and in this sport, especially, I mean, again, the running back conversation is the easy one. Gurley's and David Johnson's and Freeman's and guys like that quickly become not very useful and quickly become very overpriced.
0: When it comes to Paul Richardson, uh, we we mentioned Terry McLaurin there. I want to shout out Kelvin Harmon, too, who's a steal of a draft pick. I believe Mm -hmm. he went in the sixth round. People were talking about him earlier in the process as a first or, or second rounder, at least. And he's not a dynamic speed guy like McLaurin, but a really... nice match I think on the opposite side more of a possession guy powerful player he can get open he can make catches at the catch point I like Kelvin Harmon a lot I think they drafted their long-term starting tandem of wide receivers so great draft by Washington last year obviously the quarterback has to work out for that to be a home run draft
1: yeah and maybe I'm crazy but I also have some a little bit of optimism about Geis as well I mean he was another one And I guess some of it was off the field and not that he's a criminal or anything, but uh, I didn't expect him to be a second round pick, you know, a late second round pick. I thought he was going to be very, very early in that draft. It hasn't worked out, but even this past year, we've seen flashes. So Harmon McClure and Geis, you know, maybe they'll move on. There's some rumblings that they might move on from Peterson. Still Vernon Davis retired. I don't know how you pay Jordan Reed. So they got really old guys and really young guys. And so Maybe they need to add, you know, the the fifth year guy, a Hunter Henry or, you know, Hooper or somebody like that that's kind of in their prime.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And we talked about I I, it's hard for me with Geist to to have any optimism about his career with so many so many injuries. And we've already talked about guys who start out healthy and how difficult it is at that position with the attrition at, at running back and, and actually Steve Kime we talked about uh Daniel or uh, David. I always want to say Daniel Johnson who's a, a musician, David Johnson. um <laughs> He was rumored to be possibly cut, maybe traded. Steve Kime came out and said, yeah, we can't even cut this guy because it hurts our cap just to get rid of him. So, you know, a trade is still an option there. I don't know anybody's going to trade for him. I think he's going to be just a super expensive backup. So since we've talked about that, Kime came out and said, yeah, we just can't cut him, period.
1: No, right. It hurts you to cut him. So that that makes no sense. And if somebody's going to trade for him, you're going to have to probably give them a pick to take David Johnson off your hands. It's gotten to that point.
0: Let's get into this mailbag. The first one has to do with a quarterback. We talked about Andy Dalton earlier this week. We've talked a ton about Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady and some of the free agent quarterbacks that could be hitting the market and possibly changing teams. A new name hit the rumor mill this week in Matthew Stafford. We'll start there next. Okay, this one from Jerry. This gets us going here with the Fan Friday Not Twitter Thursday this week. Shout out to everybody who got their questions in. Apologies if we don't get to you. We've got a bunch. Jerry says, Matthew Stafford this week rumored to be traded. Then GM Bob Quinn comes out, says he's not going to be dealt. But wouldn't you have to listen to offers if you are the Lions? And I kind of agree with Jerry here because if you're the Lions, you're not hanging up the phone (laughs) if someone's calling about Matthew Stafford, even if you're not shopping him necessarily.
1: They're an odd team, and I think Patricia is an odd bird. I have a feeling if you sat down with him, you would think he's a strange dude. And I know he's rocket science smart, and I wonder at times if he's overthinking things, if he's trying to be Belichick, the pencil in the ear and the in the sweatshirt. I mean, um, be yourself. Uh, but again, I don't know the man, but he's made some peculiar moves, including Quinn, the safety since he's been there that I didn't quite understand. Stafford, though... I'm a believer. I thought he just came off his best year as a pro. Obviously, he has first overall talent still. He was much better. And this is more the offense around him and the play calling with the downfield stuff this year to Galladay and Jones. But he broke his back. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's a saying that you never used to have back problems. You know, if you have back problems, you'll have them the rest of your life. And maybe a bone break in your back isn't the same as disc problems or whatever. Again, I am not a doctor. But I got to think that if he's healthy, I could come up with 10 teams that would use Matthew Stafford. I mean, both of our favorite teams would be upgraded with Matthew Stafford. I mean, just, you know, so many teams could use Matthew Stafford. And I bet he still has three, five, six, seven years left, depending how long he wants to play. But, I mean, trading him after a broken back can't be easy. It's kind of like the Cam Newton situation. You'd really have to get the okay from all doctors involved. And, again, he's really good. I mean, you wouldn't get better at that position no matter what, at least for a year or two. But you are picking third. And this is where I'm going with this. is It sounds like, to me, whoever leaks this rumor, which probably came from the Lions organization – it's to drum up interest saying we're going to take Tua at three and we're going to trade Stafford. So if you're the Dolphins, you're going to have to pay me more to get to that third spot. That's what I believe. Again, what we said earlier this week, I don't believe any. This time of year, I've kind of shut my ears off with rumors and things because I don't believe anything. But I think this, in the end, is a ploy to get more for the number three spot for Tua.
0: Yeah, you think about, okay, what's a Better deal for the franchise and Matthew Stafford. Real quick,
1: I apologize to interrupt because oh, yeah. I just had a great thought. Go. Or you say somebody has to get ahead of me to get to a and then Patricia goes, I get Chase Young. Ooh, you know?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and, and I mean, the Lions are just, they just are. were gifted a great spot in the draft because nothing yeah, can are. really go bad for them in the draft. But I'm looking at Matthew Stafford I'm saying, okay, 32 years old, you obviously don't have a great football team right now in Detroit because you're picking third overall. And the 49ers went from picking second overall to the Super Bowl, and that can mm-hmm. happen. But it's unlikely. It's rare that that kind of thing happens, and I'm sure the Lions believe that they can do that if they keep... Matthew Stafford, but he's 32 years old. If you're the Lions and you're really evaluating yourself, do you think, OK, when Matthew Stafford's 35, are we going to be a really good football team? Or do we need to get what we can for him now and get this thing going, use those draft picks and, and pick a player, a quarterback potentially that we love that could be better than Stafford? Do we think that that quarterback is better at number three? And so is the return for Stafford and the quarterback at three a better haul than keeping Stafford and then the you know the windfall you get for trading out a number 3 still getting a stud player at another position it seems to me there's no doubt that the better option for the Lions in the short term is keeping Stafford and then getting that trade value for three, still getting a stud player probably on defense at pick five or six or wherever they end up, and then you have the extra draft picks on top of it. That just makes the most sense to me when it comes to Stafford, the number three pick, and when you really look at all the possibilities that could happen for you uh, by the time April's over.
1: I don't disagree with anything you said there. However, if – you're the Lions organization, and you see Tua as a Mahomes-like prospect. I mean, I know Mahomes is like the best prospect we've ever seen, but at least on that tier, a franchise-changing guy. And I know you're an Alex Smith fan, but I think Matthew Stafford's right now is better than Alex Smith's ever been and would actually demand more in return, I think, too. But if you look at the Chiefs' model of how they handled the quarterback situation, I think there is an argument to... Let's trade Stafford for all the picks we can get. We'll take our, hopefully, next Mahomes and go from there. But you better have a lot of job security if you're the people making that decision.
0: Right. That's a great point. And I, I, you would have to, if you really do believe in the quarterback, and we saw it with the Cardinals last year, that was a ballsy move. Yeah. To take a top 10 quarterback the very next year, trade him away for a big loss, It turned out to be the right move, but it takes guts to make that move. And I can't believe they even let their GM stick around and make that move. And Steve Kime might have some naughty pictures of owner Michael Bidwell somewhere because you're picking a new coach, a new quarterback in the top 10 after what they've been through as a franchise and some of his off-field stuff. you hit with a DUI, and so not a great run for Steve Kime to be allowed to hire a new coach and draft a quarterback number one overall. They had a lot of faith in him, but they nailed it. And so if you do believe that quarterback is there, you owe it to your franchise to make that decision. And it's it's hard for GMs and coaches that might not have a lot of job security looking at wins and losses in week one, two, and three of the upcoming season rather than the big picture.
1: Yeah, and in the end, you hope that you don't pick top five very often. And if you see a special player at that position coming out of college, you have to consider it.
0: Let's keep this thing moving here. Uh, there was, oh, Tom had a follow-up question about your advanced turnover margins that we talked yeah. about earlier this right week. Too. Yeah, and he said, um, follow-up question of missed opposing field goals being luck. If you do it a lot for a whole season, couldn't that be a sign that you're stopping teams further away from the goalposts? Therefore, your D is doing something credit worthy.
1: And I think that's a good question. And if you have a really good red zone defense, you're forcing more ter- more field goals. You know, like the the Patriots have been known for that under Belichick. And I kind of file that under how how you mentioned when we talked about this 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 new formula I came up with. In that, yeah, it, it's going to differ from team to team. You know, the Giants were really unsuccessful on fourth down attempts. But like to your point was. Well, maybe they're trying them on fourth and 12 late in games and unsuccessful situations, you know, not not high probability situations. And that's true. And there's definitely loopholes in looking at this thing this way that some teams are going to force more field goal attempts. Some teams are going to try more fourth down attempts because of the situation, the game flow. But that's also true of turnovers. You know, I mean, if you just look at basic turnover differential – The teams that are losing late in games are going to put the ball in harm's way more often, too. And the teams that are winning late in games are going to take the ball away, presumably more late in games. So um, I still think it's a really good indicator. And I check out my my Twitter timeline because I do have the entire chart, the entire spreadsheet that that's Mike Sando, you know, put, constructed for me. So it's on a, a Giants website that I wrote about because the Giants were the worst in the league at this. So if you want to get all those stats, check that out. You can find them on my Twitter timeline. But yeah, I hear you. I mean, like any stat, you can look at it and say, you know because this team's so good through the air, they don't run as much or, you know what I mean? Like it's all team dependent to some degree. Sure.
0: Let's move on to RJ. He wants to know the best game day experience outside of your home teams. And I, I haven't been to a ton of NFL different stadiums. Now that I thought about, I've been to a bunch of major league baseball parks. And, and that's something I've always tried to do is hit a bunch of ballparks, but football stadiums don't have that cathedral like atmosphere that, that I had always you know grown up Wanting to see all of the the stadiums, uh, I've been to you know San Francisco, both Candlestick and then down the Peninsula there in Santa Clara at Levi's Stadium, um, Oakland Raiders. They have a great tailgate and it's a cool atmosphere. Uh, and the the stadium is bad. Um, I've been to uh, Seattle. I've been to a couple, but my best game day experience was probably college football and I think the atmosphere is just it's kicked up a little bit and it was in the snow I was visiting a friend in Madison Wisconsin it was the Badgers versus Minnesota so a rivalry game in the snow a big college football environment I went to a college that didn't even have a football team so seeing that big college football environment was super fun I think that one is is easily the best game day experience that I saw football wise and it wasn't even the NFL
1: I've heard Wisconsin's campus is beautiful. It their is. their football stadium and experience is awesome unless it's minus, you know, minus 20 or whatever, <laughs> but it's a beautiful beautiful place.
0: I had to buy some um, gloves. It was very cold out there in the snow, bet, but it was I awesome. Bet. Yeah.
1: I bet. And um and I also heard summer up there is awesome. I'm a bad person to ask. I mean, I've been, quote, in the biz now for 20 years and if I go to the game, I'm wearing button-ups and a khaki and and, and I'm in the you know, the media area. So I'm not a fan anymore. And I've said this before that that's one of my least favorite things about this job is I can't really take my son to a Steeler game and tailgate with my buddies before. And, you know, I used to do a ton of that stuff growing up. I remember going to three rivers often and uh, my uncle taking me and all those things. I wish I could do more of that for my son and my family. And, I don't follow the other sports that much either, so I don't really have good experiences of going to other stadiums, and that would be great. I mean, maybe my late years, I will tour around as a fan and go to Green Bay and Buffalo and Kansas City and a lot of these towns where tailgating is king and putting my time outside before I go in. That would be a blast. I miss that.
0: And it seems to be the experience a lot of times is outside of the stadium for football. I mean, it would be cool yeah. to go see Bill's Mafia, see people jumping off of RVs onto tables, which I still yeah, don't really right. fully understand, to. but uh, I love the energy there. And I mean, the state of Wisconsin just does it right. Even I went to a Milwaukee Brewers game and I've never seen a. have ta- seen I've, I haven't seen that many tailgates with baseball. People get into the park mm. more often with baseball than they do in football. But they tailgated hard, cornhole everywhere. Brewers games even harder than some football games I've seen in the tailgate in the parking lot so uh, Wisconsin does it right when it comes to sports Uh, that's one thing I've definitely learned I want to go to Mark here who followed up with this question and he said he went to Twickenham for a London NFL game and he said it was awful views stadium atmosphere was terrible I didn't even realize they didn't have NFL games uh, in London that were, were not at Wembley Stadium either. So that was an interesting one. So yeah, don't go to Twickenham, says Mark, if, if you're going to one of those uh, London NFL games.
1: I've heard that too. Um, I know people that went over when the Steelers played overseas. They were in Ireland. My aunt went to a game in England just a couple of years ago. So I know people that have made the experience as fans, as analysts. And one thing they do say, though, with the maybe not that stadium in particular is you will see all 32 jerseys, you know, like it doesn't matter what two teams are playing. The the place is littered with jerseys of all sorts and people just like the game over there. And it's a very friendly environment. So uh, that would be a fun vacation, you know, to to tie that in with your favorite team and spend two weeks in England or
0: whatever. All right, well, let's try to hit these more rapid fire in segment number three. We've got a ton more tweets. See how many we can get to next. Let's go to Joe. Jacksonville Jaguars is a team we haven't talked a lot about this offseason yet. He says, what's the best scenario for the Jags? at picks 9 and 20. Package up or Kinlaw and a stud DB? So, oh, trade-up scenario for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Joe's suggesting here. Ah, position-wise, looking at the Jaguars, I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Uh, this is
1: one of the teams I am least optimistic about, to be very honest with you. And, I think some of it starts with ownership and fan base and all those things, but more so, I just think they've been ran into the ground financially in, in in such a bad way lately. I mean, if you go up and you you go to drafthistory.com and pull up the Jags drafts, they always are picking in the top five or six over the last 10, 12 years and haven't gotten nearly enough out of those picks. And now They're the team that's in the worst cap situation in the entire league. Their their defense ain't what it used to be, that's for sure. They're now missing the corner. Their linebacker situation used to be a strength when it was Jack and Smith, and now it's a major liability. Ndokwe's up for free agency. Can they make room to franchise him? I don't think the offensive line is great. It's one of the worst tight end situations in the league. I like the receivers, and it's great that they found someone in DJ Chark. I think he's for real. But their quarterback situation really worries me. I mean, they scream Matt Shaw quarterback purgatory for Ugh. the next three or four yeah. years because I don't think either one of those guys has a high ceiling, and I don't think they'll move away from either one. And Leonard Fournette's one of their best players, and he's probably only around another year or so. You know, So I really worry about this team and think that if we have this conversation two years from now, We might be talking about the Jags as clearly the worst organization in the league. I mean, I don't think it's that far-fetched to say it. So, I mean, with those two picks, because they're not going to do much in free agency, they're going to have a hard enough time keeping their own, and they're going to have to cut some of their own guys, like Marcel Darius and people like that. A linebacker would be great, but I don't think Simmons will be there, and I don't think anybody else is worthy. Um, maybe the number two corner besides Acuna, uh, but I don't know that that's worth that pick. A tight end there would be outstanding, but there isn't one worth that pick. So maybe I'm leaning towards trading down because I don't think they can afford to trade up because they have so many needs.
0: Yeah, I agree about not moving up. Uh, Kinlaw, I don't think Kinlaw is so much he's of a fine. slam dunk, yeah. and, and he, but he would be a fine pick at number nine, but he's mm-hmm. getting a lot of hype now after the Senior Bowl and and maybe a, a little bit overhyped, even though he is a very good prospect. Obviously, cornerback is a big hole now. DJ Chark really helped them out at wide receiver, so that's not as much of a pressing need, but that might be a best player available situation at pick nine when the Jaguars yeah. are on the clock. And if you're the Jags, you hope that with these extra draft picks, you're able to nail some of those picks Turn it around quickly. Um, Ngakwe is a big one. It sounds like he really wants to leave, so it's franchise tag or nothing. I would imagine with Ngakwe, and I don't know if they they want to go that route silly. with him. Yeah, exactly. So you <laughs> and culture wise, you got to change that around, and you just ha- you have to hope that you're a little bit better than the Matt Schaub picture that you just painted there, Matt, at quarterback. But I do believe they they could be on a path to quarterback purgatory, which would be a scary situation, and and really in the long haul, rough go for the Jags, but they got to hit those draft picks. And and I agree with you. I would move down before I would move up more picks, really uh, rebuild the depth and the strength of that entire roster.
1: Yeah, and a new coach might help. Um, I think hiring Gruden as the offensive coordinator was a really good move too. But again, if, if you could put me in charge of any of the 32 teams, they might be 32nd on my list of wanting to be the GM of.
0: Cam wants to know if he if you think the NFL should start using a draft lottery to avoid some teams potentially tanking. And I think we've seen a little bit of tank, not not complete wholesale tank jobs recently, but I understand why the other leagues did it. The NFL, do you think? Lottery, anti-tank situation for the National Football League draft?
1: I'm not in favor of that. I mean, like all of us when... Halloween rolled around that Miami was a slam dunk to get the first overall pick they ended up fifth I just think tanking's not as easy as in other sports but that's I also don't know enough about other sports I mean it, it, that imp- when I say that that implies that basketball teams and players aren't trying their hardest because I do believe that players don't take it easy when they're on the field and mm-hmm. I don't think coaches, put the worst players on the field in order to end up the day with an, with a loss. So, I mean, maybe you do a Dolphins move and you, or Browns move and you trade away your good guys, but you can still stumble into wins. So even if you try to tank, I don't think it's a slam dunk that you end up with, you know, Lawrence or whoever the, the guy you want next year.
0: It's interesting because it has to come from the GM, the coaches, there's not enough job security coaches and players playing no. for their next contracts on the field, so they're going to play hard and we I think we saw the perfect example why not in the Miami Dolphins this year because they, right. they definitely didn't tank. They won a lot more games than people expected, even with the GM making moves that you would have thought looked like a total tank job there. And they ended up picking fifth. So, um, it, yeah, in, in like NBA, one player can just massively change your entire franchise, even if you hit on the quarterback. I mean, if you see Andrew Luck coming out, I could see a team wanting to try to tank maybe with that st- kind of a prospect. I just brought him up because he was the best guy I thought I saw ever coming out and just, you know, mm-hmm. the slam dunk, number one overall pick that could change your franchise. But it's just harder to tank in both baseball and the NFL compared to the NBA. So draft lottery I just don't think makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. And that's a point I wanted to make too is the Dolphins are a good example and it still might work out for them. They still might end up with two-o. I and mean, we were talking about tanking for two for before Burrow came on. They still might get the guy that they wanted the most to begin with. It just might be a little finagling to make it happen. Um, They're still in the driver's seat to make that, you know, to make a move if they need to, but you're right. Like Andrew Luck to me was as good a prospect as that has ever come out, but he doesn't change his team like LeBron or I'll bring it back home. I saw Lemieux and then Sidney Crosby that were transcendent, no doubt first overall picks any year they came out. And that's kept my team, my pens, very, very competitive for 20 years, 25 years, you know. Or if, if you stumble into a LeBron or, or an, a, a, one of these prospects that my wife that's never watched sports could, could turn in the card and, and grab that guy. So I do think those sports, especially when there's only five or six people on the ice or the floor, can change things a lot more than even a great, great quarterback prospect
0: let's finish this off with oh man there's so many good questions here um let's go maybe to we'll the draft over next week a little bit yeah absolutely maybe we can pepper yeah. some of these in uh, in different episodes too because mm-hmm. there's a lot of good ones here so shout out to everybody who did drop a question here but we only have time for one more what would it take if you are washington to move down from two to five hmm I'm looking at I the mean, I'm looking at the draft trade chart, the old Jimmy Johnson trade chart right here, and just pure. If you want to go straight Jimmy Johnson trade chart, with for those of you who don't know, it's an algorithm. Starts out the number one overall pick is worth three thousand points. The last I'm pick in the seventh need More round. than that, though. Right? Yeah. So you might need yep. more than chart value. Chart value says that Miami's number five overall pick, which is worth seventeen hundred points, and their. Next pick in the first round at 18, which is worth 900 is exactly 2600 which is what the number two overall pick is worth. So at mm-hmm. minimum, if you're Washington, you're asking for number five and number 18.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm sitting here thinking, though, if I'm the Skins and Young, Tua, and Burrow, are, you know those three won't be there when you pick five. Maybe you get the corner from Ohio State. We just talked about that situation earlier in the show if you felt confident, I'd be very interested in this move. But who else do you – I mean, who's your top five? Like, to me, those are my top four. Judy or Lamb. I mean, you could trade down again. Tackle of choice is somewhat interesting. I just don't know that those guys are truly Jonathan Ogden-like prospects coming out this year. Um, Maybe the linebacker out of Clemson. I mean, so – I'd rather go to four is what I'm saying. (laughs) You know, that my favorite four are pretty obvious, the two Ohio State guys and the two quarterbacks, but they may not be there for me. So you're kind of rolling the dice. So I guess I would take that offer you mentioned and your future second.
0: And this is why I think that pick three is so much more likely for Detroit because if you're Detroit, I think you're going to take a lot less. And I think there'll be fewer teams willing to give up that much to go up to number two rather than number three, unless they know for sure they can't get to number three and they have to go to number two. So if you're Detroit Miami, I think could get away with giving them pick five and their third first round pick, which is 26 overall. And I think that would be plenty if I'm number three, just moving back two spots. And that's a big difference if you're Miami. So Um, and another team coming up, what can like, what could the chargers, they can't really go over the top of Miami either, even without Miami maxing what they could offer. Yeah.
1: Miami's got all the cards. Um, if you're the chargers, you probably have to give up your 2021 first in some way, shape or form. Um, the lions are sitting pretty because if it goes burrow young, you're going to have people heating up your phones like crazy or if it goes quarterback quarterback cuz somebody moved to 2 you'll gladly take Chase Young and put him off as if flowers and help yep. your pass defense
0: absolutely It's going to be fun. Uh, This draft is going to be very interesting because of that quarterback situation at the top and trade scenarios. And we will continue to cover the draft. And actually, we'll be back Monday looking at Mock Draft Monday, the latest from the Draft Network and everything else going on around the league. Big shout out to everybody who gave us Twitter questions. Apologies if we did not get to you. We'll try to pepper some of those in next week before another Twitter Thursday.
1: And just a little note, too, The Monday after that, I'll be driving to Indy. So we'll have a whole week in Indy, too. So that's right around the corner, too. Yeah, oh, my gosh, the
0: Combine. The draft is upon us. The free agency is going to hit in March. The NFL offseason can't wait. We'll talk to you then right here, Locked on NFL.